What's up, guys? This is Evan Moon, and you're listening to the fifth episode of the Over the Moon podcast. I want to welcome you guys back. If you're returning listeners or if this is your first time listening in, thank you either way for being here. Um, guys, so this this episode is really going to be broken down into a couple parts again, as it typically is. Um, but this first segment, I just want to reiterate something I talked about from last episode that I think is really important going forward for people to know. Um, and then kind of a short little quick thought topic. And then hopefully I'll start transitioning into the main topic along the lines of what those first topics that I was talking about in the, in the first episode of the podcast. Um, and just try and keep us along track and keep going smoothly through those. Um, cause I think they're incredibly important. Um, so with that being said, the first little segment, I really wanted to reiterate what I had said from last episode, if you guys listened into that, about how I'm not, when it comes to these topics and the things that I discuss, I'm not, I'm not perfect at them. I'm not a master. I, I haven't perfected them in any way. Um, and I, I don't think I ever will. You know, I think we, we are in a lifelong journey of becoming more like Christ. But in that, we know we have brokenness and we've fallen and that we will always fall short. Um, and that we need that grace and the, the love um, to, to rebuild us and, and to mold us and shape us in different ways. Um, but I never want it to seem like when I'm talking about this stuff that I'm speaking down to people as if I have this, uh, that I have mastered this and I don't still need a savior and things like that. And so I just want to make that very clear once again that when I'm speaking through these things that I'm not speaking down I'm speaking with, I'm speaking with you guys and I'm struggling with these things too. And we can hold each other accountable with these things too. You can hold me accountable. Um, if you know me personally, even if you don't, if you hear something in me that's contradictory to where, where I stand on things, I, I would hope you call me out on that. You know, I, I'm not going to be perfect in my delivery of some of this stuff. Um, and yeah, that's just that, that's how it is. Um, so I just wanted to reiterate that and talk to you guys a little bit about that again, um, especially as I get into some of these topics today um, and really any of the topics going forward. I want you guys to really keep that in the forefront of your thoughts, um, because I think it can get very easy um, if I am discussing these things for you to for it to seem like I'm talking down and not talking with because um, I found in my own life, I'll keep it uh, as an example for me, but I found in my own life when when sometimes I have people speaking to me about stuff, it becomes really easy for me to get defensive about it and um, start feeling like they're speaking down to me because uh, sometimes they might be um, and sometimes their delivery is wrong, but ultimately it's it's typically because what they say um, stings. If that makes sense, it's it's a convicting message, and it's something that I know I'm dealing with, um, or maybe I don't, and it's just kind of like hitting the essence of my soul, and it's just like, oh man, like what they just said, kind of stung, you know. And so it, it's 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 not a good habit. It's not a good thing. I'm I'm making that clear that it's not a good thing. But my my jerk reaction would be to retaliate and to fire back at them or to get defensive or shut down. 
And that's, that's not, a, that's not the best way to do it. <laughs> I'll just say that. And honestly, with that being said, it leads into my point of, uh, my first point of that. I think it's interesting how I, I, I guess that I just set myself up for this, but I think it's interesting how, um, humanity in general, I won't say likes, but they find it easy to normalize sin. And it's not just always within themselves. Um, it's also within others. I think that um, in, in the, especially in our age today, in the mindset and with people's idea of what the highest virtue is, um, most people, when it comes to virtues, they think um, whether they'll admit it or not, or whether they will um, uh, just come right, come right out and say it, a lot of people's highest value and virtue in life is happiness. They think that their happiness should become that highest platform of their, their ultimate living, their highest form of life. And it's just not true. And I think um, a lot of times when it, when it comes to happiness, I don't think happiness in general is a negative thing. And see, this is where things get tripped up because happiness in general is not a negative thing. But when happiness becomes an idea that you're only happy and happiness can only exist when you're getting what you want or as a Christ follower you are um, or God's giving you what you want um, and if he's not then you're not happy and then you don't agree with God and then you you push him away or something you know like if if happiness becomes that then it's an idol right it's something that um, it's really easy to slip into um, because your your mindset is to be is is formed around a lot of times what you want most and that's our selfishness that's our pride that's our that's our belief that we can do better than someone else or ultimately God we think we have a better design for our life and we think our life should go differently than what God has designed it um, and or sometimes we think it, it, we have a better idea of how it should go and how we are and how we should function than some other people. So then we get defensive and then we out backlash, you know, like, um, and there's insecurities mixed in with all that as well. But I just think it's interesting, um, even in the process of, as we normalize that sin, I think one of those is something I mentioned, but being defensive. When someone, uh, when someone comes to you and says, X, Y, and Z, and then you backlash and say, um, yeah, but you, you're normalizing your own sin and amplifying theirs, or at least putting them on the same level as you, or at least just, just speaking about theirs to where yours kind of gets lessened because they're just as bad, if not worse, or maybe they're a little bit better and in, in whatever that means, but they're maybe a little bit better and then you don't feel as bad about yourself, which actually normalizes your idea of what sin is, if that makes sense. I don't. I I hope I'm explaining that well, but it's just something that I've picked up, and um, it's just something that I've kind of learned along the way. As as I learn about myself and and other people, I feel like whenever I try and get defensive. Um, it's typically because I don't want to hear what they have to say. And it's typically because I know it's right. And it's typically because I deep down want to normalize my own sin and make sure that they know that they're just as bad. When in reality, it's about 
what what can I be doing better? How better can I be more loving in order to serve the people around me and ultimately love Christ better? Um, as I am, uh, like I said earlier, that the process of fine, uh, what verse is it? I forget. It's um, I think it's it's gonna bug me. I think it's in Isaiah where it talks about God is like a is is like a potter, um, or or a, not a potter. What is it? Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Maybe it is potter. Where he's like, um, he's molding us and shaping us, and and we're like the clay. Um, and I think that's interesting because, at, like I was saying, as we go through life, we learn different things, we grow, we're we're molded and shaped by that love of Christ. And I think um, sometimes that's that's uh, that's a freeing thing, but also it can be a scary thing, especially if it's coming from someone else, um, because oftentimes God doesn't literally come down in the flesh and just expose us right to our face, like. <laughs> It's usually someone else. He's using someone else in our life or an experience in our life to teach us something um, about his love and about his word and, and about how he wants us to live. Um, and, and sometimes it's very hard to receive. Um, so it's just something I've been thinking about, just the idea of how people normalize their sin and make it make it something that's just kind of part of their reality. One of the big things that I hate, I hate, this is one of the, there are several statements, if you know me, there are several statements in life that I truly hate. This is definitely one of them. Of, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I may have, I just don't remember right now, but one of them is, well, that's just how I am. What? Okay, that's great, that's cool. But should it be? I mean, that that should be the follow-up question, right? The follow-up question should be, okay, that's that's fine. That is who you are. But should it be? You know, because we can't just measure our life of, well, this is how I am. And this is how I've always been. That's another add-on to it. This is who I am. This is how I've always been. That doesn't necessarily mean it should be. But in in in, in some cases, it that's fine that it is. Because I think... I'm not, I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to be overly negative and say that people are always bad in every situation. I think there are some cases where if someone was saying, this is how I've always been, that's not a bad thing. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where you really have to check why you've always been that way. What's your motive behind it? And are people speaking into that and saying if it's a good or bad thing? Because if you're just going off the fact that, well, that's just how I've always been and uh, that's, I don't know. That's just me. That's not necessarily good. You know, like I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to be overly negative and critical, but I can't count how many times I've heard that statement. And then I think like the thing that they're saying that they've always been isn't good. And it's actually led to a lot of sadness and frustration and, and loss of joy and satisfaction and things. And that hurts. It hurts the people around them and it hurts me to hear that for them because they'll say that and they'll just be like, oh, you know, that's what it is. And I'm just like, dude, like there's such a better way to do it. God, God's calling you to so much more than just being who you've been. He's constantly 
He is constantly the potter and we are constantly the clay being molded, always changing for the better, ideally, right? If we allow his Holy Spirit to really uh, uh, sink into all the aspects of our life and really just take the driver's seat on everything. If we're allowing that to happen, we are constantly that molded and mold, uh, uh, yeah, mold, moldable and molded clay. And he is always that potter. And, and we have to be receptive to that because if we're stagnant and saying, that's how I've always been, then maybe we haven't been as open and receptive to what God's calling us to be. Like I said, not in every situation, but I'd, I'd argue most situations that's probably true. I think it's, I, I can't remember if I said this last episode or not, but I think it's really easy to waste 20 years, Right? I think it's really easy and I'm not I'm not super old myself I'm 25 but from what I've heard from other people and what I've experienced for myself even on a small scale of just time wasted it's really easy to waste time it's so easy like and and through that time you don't grow you don't change and I'm not saying you have to be just this crazy person who's changing all the time and just just never the same person. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, it's such an easy thing to be complacent and always the same for years and years and years. But it's harder to change with the, the turns and the bends of where God's trying to bring you to. And being receptive and open to that, it's, it's difficult. I'm dealing with it right now. I, I get it. I'm not saying I've got this stuff nailed down. It's tough. It's hard. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. The easy things in life aren't typically worth doing, right? I think one of the hardest things you can do in life sometimes is, is follow God and be receptive and open to his call on your life. That's incredibly hard. It's not easy. It's really, really hard. Especially who's someone who's built up so much junk, you know? Like life just builds up this sludge. That we just have to like crawl through and God's trying to just rip us through all that. And it's just, it's, it's hard sometimes to just fully surrender to God. And even in those times, it's not easy. Things come our way and it's just like, man, that hurt. That hit hard. And that tripped me up. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a, a free ride. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But what is the next right thing to do? It's what my dad always says. He always challenges me on that. I think that's a good way to think about it, of what's the next right thing to do. And you may not always know that. It may not always be clear. But pursue it, right? And I'm not saying that's an overnight success because that's incredibly hard, especially through years and years of having these mental pathways and, and processes built up in your mind to believe that your way and a certain way of doing something is the right way. It's not true always. Sometimes it might be, sometimes it's not. And a lot of times if you trace back those pathways, it's led to so much stuff that you could have avoided. But in that, God teaches you that a, he was with you through that all, like I talked about last episode of there's never a time when he's not. But then also he teaches you what now? It's, it's, the, it's the same idea of 
I've always been this way, or I've been this way for 10 years now. But God's follow-up question is, okay, what are you going to do with it now? Now that you know, now that you know what, what's been going on, now that you've seen what's happened, now, now what? And that next step and steps towards getting closer to where God wants you to be is, is difficult. It's hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. You're, you will feel liberated in your soul and in your mind and your heart. And the people around you will start taking notice of that. Because more than often, some of the things that have, have weighed heavily on you have also weighed heavily on others. Even if it's a small thing, people take notice of that stuff. Especially if they're around you a lot. They take notice. And, and you'll find that life doesn't always become easier. I'm not going to promise you that, but it does become more focused on God in those moments because you're like, God, I knew you were with me. I just didn't see it. And this is going to be hard and I need you. And even if it isn't going to be hard, I still need you, right? <laughs> so that's my spiel for the first little part, guys. It's a lot. I get it. <laughs> It's a lot to take in, a lot to digest. Um, but I definitely think it's a worthy pursuit to really think over. And um, it's definitely something that we always need to be thinking about. Not overly thinking about it and like, like stressing about it constantly. But it's definitely something that people don't think about it this way, y'all. I said y'all again. I'm, I'm from the north and I'm almost becoming disgusted with myself how much I'm saying y'all but think about this you guys how often do we say I think I've said this before but how often do we say I just don't have time for God and we may not say it as like explicitly as that we may say something like I just don't have time to read my Bible How, how much, you know, we, it's tough because it doesn't always work out this way, but I think it, it, it more than often does. We, we push out the time for that because we think that we're just way too busy in life. And then we stop thinking about the things that matter too, like this stuff. We start thinking about the Kardashians and we start thinking about what, What's the next episode we're going to watch on Netflix? I'm not saying that stuff is altogether bad to ever think about. You know, have your little guilty pleasures all you want. That's fine. But I feel like too much of that stuff consumes all of our thoughts, right? Wake up. We're, we're zombies. Most of us go to work. Think about work stuff. Go home, think about maybe our spouse um, and or maybe if we're by ourselves, we think about whatever and then we go to bed and we do it all over again. What, what time in there is for God and then what time in there do we have time to just think? said it before of just that idea of quiet time throughout our week. It doesn't have to be a daily thing where we're 
I think I think being in the word should be a daily thing. That's that's true. But I'm not saying that you guys have to be thinking about this every single day. These 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 topics, these stuff. I I'm plagued with this kind of stuff in my head all the time. Not necessarily plagued, but it's just there always. Not always, but probably at least 85% of my day I'm thinking about this kind of stuff. Or just just thinking of other things around it or just kind of like, I don't know. It's just how my brain works. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. It's just how it is. Um, and I'm not trying to turn everyone into how I think. I'm just saying that I think people don't think about this stuff. So then they don't, they don't, they never prioritize it. And then, then if it's not prioritized, then it falls and just kind of slips away. And then other things creep in, right? And that, you all might be, said it again, my goodness. You guys might be thinking, well, Evan, you're being a little extreme. No. How many times in my own life, thinking back, have I stopped thinking about what I should as far as, you know, what God wants for me and things like that? I stopped thinking about that stuff. And then other things creep in. And then it becomes a habit. And then it's part of my MO. Ah, it's not good, right? I think about it and I'm just like, oh, it's probably not good. Or I have people around me saying, dude, that's not good. Or maybe it just becomes a pattern in my life. And then it's, like I said, five, 10 years down the road and I'm seeing it play out and have played out. Then what do I do, right? These things that can completely transform our minds and our hearts are out there. And I'm not trying to make this big scare tactic kind of thing. I just think we just need to be more, um, more aware. We need to be better thinkers. We're lazy thinkers as humans, right? You know, you got these big thinkers out there like your theologians and your scholars and your philosophers and all that. We say, oh, we're, I'm not like that, right? I'm not saying you have to be. I'm not saying you have to come up with the next big theory. I'm not saying you have to like write out a 3,000 page essay about why the, the gospel makes sense. I'm not saying that. I think there's just things that we can be thinking about daily or weekly that can help renew our minds towards Christ and where he's calling us to be. And also, it keeps us attentive to the world around us. We become stale. We become stale to the world around us. We, we stop caring. Because it doesn't affect me, so why should I care? Right? No. How can I be an institute of change? That's leadership 101. Not saying you go in there and just blow a hole through everything. I'm just saying, how can I be an institute of change in the sphere around me? Even if you're in a job you don't want to be in. You know it's not for you. I've been in those jobs. I know it's, it's not a job that I want to be in long term. It's not one that I see myself in. But it's one I'm in. What can I do to be an impact? You know, I worked in Target for a while. That's a hyper-liberal environment. They don't, it's not that they don't like Christians. It's just you don't see a lot of Christians in that environment, at least in the workers. 
And maybe even the people shopping there. I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've shopped there. It's not, I'm not saying Christians can't shop at Target. Just saying you don't see that a lot. So how can you be an institute of change in the midst of that? Oh, but it doesn't just stop at places like Target. You work at a church. You work somewhere that has to deal with the church. Yeah, you can still be an institute of change. Churches aren't perfect. Trust me. In the, in the experience that I've had in churches, even just working there, people are, per, are imperfect. I am imperfect. I'm not trying to call out people. I'm just saying you will find a lot of dysfunction even in churches, maybe more. My dad's been a personal leadership consultant for 20 plus years. He's worked with a lot of churches. He says, a lot of times you find more dysfunction in churches than in corporations or manufacturing places, plants. So anywhere you go in the work field, you have to be looking for the next right thing to do, right? You within yourself have to have this base of where am I grounded in? What, what is my worth in? And that's one of the topics I wanted to discuss, worth. What, what does my worth look like that I carry into the business world? And like I said, it's not just places like Target. It's not just a church. It's, it's, your, it's the nursing field. You're, you're a nurse or you're a doctor or you're, a, a market, you're in marketing or whatever you're doing, any kind of job. Your, your orientation to the people around you should be filtered through this idea of where your worth is found. You know, all those topics that I talked about in the first episode, that should be your lens. Your lens should be filtered through the word of God and these topics and your understanding of that going forth and going out into the life, in, into life to make a great impact, not for yourself, not for others, for the kingdom of God, right? In turn, as you work for the kingdom of God and you work for the glory of him and him alone, you yourself will be transformed. That's true. And more than likely, the people around you will be transformed, especially if your orientation towards life and towards work and towards people is how can I be that sphere of influence, even in small aspects or big aspects. But as you go through those things, your filter is all of that. And you say, how can I be someone of great impact that is going into these situations constantly and being filtered through that, even in an environment that doesn't filter through that? How can you, it's, 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 like, it's like apologetics but not as blunt, right? Because if you're, if you're in a setting of, a, of apologetics, you know you're in a setting of apologetics, right? But there's, there's, day, there's, there's something that's called daily apologetics, I think, of where you, you have this understanding of Christ and you have the understanding of your, your worth and your worldview and your, your ability to steward well and your, um, your, uh, the fact that there's idols in the world and, and all these things your your knowledge of your faith can be taken into any situation in any context and not jammed down people's throat i'm not saying that 
not saying you just charge in there and just go boom and just slam through the door like the Kool-Aid man and say, what up y'all? It's your boy, Christ man. And then you're just like slamming stuff down people's throat. I'm not saying that. Don't do that. People don't receive that well. I'm saying daily things that are, are woven into your actions and into your speak and into your, your critical thinking skills and your ability to, to maneuver through situations and to lead people well, that has great impact on the people around you daily. People will take notice of that. When your worth is found in Christ, people see that and they want to know, not always, not right away, they want to know what's different. How can I be like Linda or, or Jerry or, or Jeffrey or whatever it is? How can I be like that person? What, what's different in them? What's different about them? How, I want to know. And that's a very, that's, that's a pretty cliche thing that you hear a lot of times. If you've grown up in the church or you've just been around uh, maybe in a Christian home or something, it's like people will say, oh, well, they'll see that. That's true, though. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it. Even just, like I said, working at Target. I think I said it before, but I had someone come up to me and say, I want my son to be more like you. And that's not me trying to boast. That's just me saying it will show up. If you have a, a concrete understanding of where your worth is found and you take that into your daily life of those three sections that we also talked about of home, social, um, and work, people will take notes that say you have a spouse and say you married them and they're not a Christian. I'm not saying right away that they're going to change. And I'm not saying that it's just going to be this overnight thing, this overnight success. It may be, I don't know. I've heard stories from, um, other coworkers where I used to work of where they, um, worked with someone who wasn't a believer and they were a receptionist and it just so happened that it was them and this other person in there, um, kind of like during this one shift constantly, and they would just have long talks while they would work. And over this three year process, not overnight, not always, but this three year process, they began asking questions and wanting to know more. And they could tell that their worth was found in Christ. Maybe not right away, but they're like, there's got to be something different about this Christ thing. And they want it. They want more of it. Guys, like I'm saying, I think it's really damaging sometimes um, too. And I, after saying all of what I just said, this may sound a little backwards. But I also think it's really damaging to only focus on the times. And that's why I've kept saying this, that it's not overnight success and it's not always. But it's very damaging for the church to only share things like this of where there's been success stories. Because it can be disheartening to the people that don't have success stories with, with being an impact on people. Um, you're not always going to be this, this lifesaver of an impact on someone's life. You might be. I don't know, but 
don't be disheartened just because you didn't and don't be so uh don't don't be so aggressive i don't know how to say it better but don't don't be so aggressive about how you're approaching it too that you're like i said just going out busting through walls trying to like jam it down people's throat because it can be so exciting to know that you're making an impact on people for the glory of god to where you'll maybe want to do that, but that's just not how you reach people. It's not. Busting through walls or slamming things down people's throat, they won't like that. They'll more than likely just turn and walk away. And that's, that's as the line from Bruce Almighty goes, that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's just how it is sometimes. You can't be someone's savior, but sometimes God's gonna use you for the purpose of saving someone. Sometimes, but don't think that every moment's going to be this big thing. I think it's a huge disservice to people to hear that. I think it's great for encouragement, right? But for the people that don't have that happen, you need to encourage them to, to keep on keeping on. It's not going to happen overnight. Like I said in that example, three years, maybe it's someone's whole lifetime. Maybe you, maybe it's a family member that you've known for your entire life and you guys are very close to death. And all of a sudden they're, they start asking questions. Maybe they never ask questions. What? I don't know. That's just how it is. And you got to embrace it either way. But guys, I have rambled for a long, long, long time, a lot longer than I thought I was going to. But with that being said, I hope you guys did get something out of it. Um, Sometimes I can get off on tangents and it gets a little crazy, but hopefully you guys, like I said, got something out of what I said and learned some stuff and can grow from that. Um, once again, if you guys, I think you guys should really think about doing that exercise, like I said, of just drawing, if you're artistic or doing bullet points or whatever, of that starting point being the top of the, the mouth of the river, um, being your understanding of your worth is in Christ, and then that downstream effect, the flowing outward. Because I think that when you visualize it on a daily basis and you put it in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and you understand that to be true, you're not going to live out your life perfectly according to that. But the more you think about it and the more you remind yourself in those moments of weakness of God's truth and you speak that truth to yourself, it's very biblical to do that. It becomes easier to get out of those patterns that maybe you're stuck in, right? Um, so like I said, encourage you guys to do that. Also, if, if you guys enjoyed this one, this was kind of an in-betweener. It's about 35 minutes-ish, so it wasn't the... The 20 minute one, it wasn't like the hour long one, but it was kind of that in-between space. If you guys liked it, let me know. Um, you know, you can always reach me on my socials, either email or on Instagram. It's just Over the Moon Podcasts or Over the Moon Podcast on Instagram. And then on Gmail, it's Over the Moon Podcasts with an S at the end at gmail.com. Um, and so if you guys want to reach out there, um, that would be, would be great. Also, I... Another thing that I want to start doing, if you guys can just share the podcast, if you've listened to it, that would be tremendous help. I'm, I'm trying to grow it, trying to get out there more, trying to get more of a, um, a listener base. And as I grow it and trying to get 
get to that place, it would just be very beneficial and helpful for you guys to do that. Also, if you guys listened to the last episode, I talked about how I have a possible job at Chick-fil-A um, and I got it. So that's, that's a, that's a cool thing. So um, if you guys were, I don't know if you were praying about that or whatever, that's, it happened. It worked out. <laughs> so I'll be leaving my current job and going there as of um, November 8th. So then I'll be doing that. And um, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I think I'm really excited about it. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of good leadership um, training and stuff that I can learn from that. And Chick-fil-A and just in general is a good company when it comes to that. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm really, 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 really excited about it. Um, it's going to be a good opportunity for my wife and I just provide a little bit more money. And um, like I said, development wise, I think it's a lot better than where I'm at. And um, I think it's a good transition for sure. So anyways, like I said, y'all, y'all again, my goodness, get me out of the South. Someone come save me. No, I'm stuck in the South. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's fine. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me, like I said, you know where to hit me up. Um, if you need prayer, if you want to just talk, if you want to converse about anything I've said, maybe you're like, Evan, dude, you talk too much. It's annoying. Keep it shorter. Or Evan, dude, you don't talk enough. Keep talking. Or Evan, dude, I don't like what you said and you're an idiot. And I'll be like, you're probably right. And then I'll just, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But if you just want to reach out, whatever it is, hit me up. Um, I'll be around and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Really appreciate you guys listening in and take care.